Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff with Margaret Kiljoy, a podcast that's about cool people who did cool stuff. Our guest today is Max Collins. Max, how are you doing? You want to talk well. about yourself at all? What's going on? Um, I'm doing great, thank you. It's good to be here. I was going to say on this day that is definitely a different day. I, I think everyone yeah, who yeah, this, yeah, this yeah, podcast yeah. knows that okay. we record it in two takes or <laughs> okay, one take okay, in good. one day. Good, yeah. <laughs> So, so Max Collins, our guest, uh, in the 90s, he actually did an anthropological field study on one-hit wonders in the, the rock world. That's right. Um, Everything Margaret is saying right now is ab- absolutely, unequivocally, verifiably true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're talking about one-hit wonder Chumbawamba. And if you haven't listened to part one, what the fuck is wrong with you? Did something go wrong with your life? Why do you make the choices that you make? So go listen to that. Okay. So... Around the early 90s, life starts changing for Chumbawamba. It stays egalitarian, but it goes from this like loose, chaotic thing into something more like a workers' cooperative. They start having tons of meetings. By one account, they spend more times in meetings than in practice. There's like eight or nine of them at this point. And most of them move out of the squat, but stay in the band and stay activists. And they just want to do other things with their lives. And, and more and more, they're also like having families and shit, right? And sometimes maybe... Obviously, some of them are having kids in the squad, but I could imagine not being like, this is where I want to raise my children. I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the cooler things about them is as they start doing this, they don't go all VH1s behind the music. Like, they keep not exploding. Some of them did drugs. Some of them were sober. They date within the band. They get one of them dumps one of them to go date the other bandmate. And everyone stays good with each other, more or less. Like... I don't know. They, I feel like they kind of like did hedonism right, at least as it's presented in their self mythologizing, right? Yeah. Like parties and raves and shows and everything, but they're they're not doing the like trash the hotel room, draw penises, the sexually assault fans thing, right? And so, and they're basically at this point trying to to make it as no longer young musicians. They're trying to be like this is. So they sit down and they have a what the fuck are we doing meeting, like a conversation ten years into the band, and they're like, all right. Let's fucking do this thing. Like, let's double or nothing. Let's um, 
you know, they they quit their jobs to do it full time, which means that they needed to pay their employees, which was themselves and also other people who were helping them out. And so commercial considerations start having to be balanced alongside musical and political considerations as they make this music. And in 1994, they release Anarchy uh, is the name of an album, and the cover of which features the photo of a child being born, which is from a book for children about where babies came from. But this is obviously like, their whole point is like, you're all going to call this pornographic, aren't you? And it did. It's called pornographic. Stores refuse to sell it. They keep it in brown bags because you can see a vagina in it or whatever. It's my favorite of their albums. Um, And it's the first time that they crack the very bottom of the mainstream charts. And uh, it has the song. If you haven't, if you've never listened to a a Chumbawamba song besides Tum Pumping, or even if you haven't heard that, go listen to Homophobia by Chumbawamba. So they start getting to play larger and larger shows, right? As they start taking this band really seriously 10 years in, they tour more of the world. And the press fucking hates them. They're like, you're washed up bad musicians. You're all too old. You scream about politics, but you don't even believe any of it. You're, or like, they're all like, you're too woke. You're ruining the music, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the fans love them. They sell out shows left and right. Uh, and the press goes between ignoring them and hating them, which is like, this is just like literally how to succeed as a cult band. As yeah, as it really tell. is. Yeah. And in 1996, they're not super famous yet. They're not tub thumping famous yet. But they're sharing a stage with Smashing Pumpkins in Germany at some big televised event. And Smashing Pumpkins is apparently being uh, real assholes about it, at least as related in Boff Whaley's book. And so they like, all the other bands have to like hide in their dressing rooms with the doors closed and they can't be in the corridors when Billy Corgan comes through or something. And this is still pre-tub thumping? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So they're like not seen as Smashing Pumpkins as peer yet, but they're big enough to be at this televised event. And so Dan, one of the people in Chumbawamba, he likes being naked. Uh, Like constantly he's stripping on stage for the fuck of it. And the band is like, fuck, what are we going to do to prank these assholes? That's like what we got to do. That's our thing. You know, I know, Dan, take off all your clothes. So Dan gets naked. They write the word punk in huge letters across his chest. He strolls out on stage just as Smashing Pumpkins. It's their big finale. You know, he walks up to Billy and he salutes the crowd naked and then he walks off. And the rest of the band has to physically rescue him from bouncers. And then they, they fled the scene as like they're being chased. And the promoter is like, you'll never appear on German television again, which probably didn't turn out to be true. Incredible. And yeah, I know. I love it. I love it. Um, also in 1996, they turn in an album called Tub Thumping to their label, which is a, a label called One Little Indian, which was a not a great name for a label. And just to be clear, the label realized that. And in 2020, they changed their name uh, to One Little Independent. In 1996, Chumbawamba turns in this album to them. And the label's like, no, this sucks. Go home and write better songs. No good. Onward. And then EMI Germany, a major label, is like, well, we'll give you 100,000 fake Europe money for it. Maybe pounds, maybe euros. I don't know. One of the fake monies that they have over there. And at first they laugh it off, right? They're like, no way will we do that, obviously. And then they kind of sit on it and they're like, we're so fucking broke. And that is enough money that even if the album doesn't sell at all, we can still pay everyone involved a decent wage, you know? They, 
To be clear, Chumbawamba had put a song out on an anti-EMI compilation about 10 years earlier. The compilation's called Fuck EMI. At, at the time, EMI was, was deep in the nuclear arms industry. EMI had since divested from that. But still, it, wasn't, it clearly wasn't good optics. And they weren't sure, but they, I think what happened is that they, they were sure it wasn't good optics to the punk scene. What they were trying to figure out was whether or not it was good ethics. And they mm-hmm. wanted to make their decision based on that. So they talk it over as a collective, like they do everything. They don't vote about major decisions. They work for consensus. And they talk it over for weeks. They are like, look, the symbolism is bad, but change for change's sake is sometimes good. They were stagnating and they were like, fuck stagnating. That's what we don't want to do. It's more of a chance to reach more people. Saying fuck you to a scene that was getting way too essentially conservative from their point of view seemed fun to them. Being able to pay themselves enough to not worry for a while, like they're all working class folks, right? And they're approaching middle age without much of a safety net because they all were squatter punks. And and they're like, bands like Fugazi can get away with being fiercely independent because they're just big enough and sell enough records, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Chumbawamba wasn't selling that kind of those kinds of numbers. And but fear of what people would think was a big part of it. A few years earlier in Poland, some American punk had taken it upon himself to like slash their tour van tires because he was mad about how much the band was charging for the show. Punks can be sort of <laughs> myopic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that they thought about a lot, they were, you know, the the most convincing argument to some of them, and I actually think maybe the most convincing argument to me, is they're like, look, our independent labels are also just all about the money. They are also fucking us over. They're also greedy. We might as well get paid well. Alice Nutter puts it in an interview with a punk magazine later. My reasoning for doing it isn't how we're going to get our message across to more people. It's nothing to do with that. It's because my experiences with one little Indian in the music industry have me convinced that they're all the fucking same. They're small businessmen and big businessmen, and they've, they have a different agenda to us. There's no good or bad capitalism is kind of what they hit upon. Yeah. And they do it. And which brings us to probably the only song by them that most of the people listening to this podcast have actually heard, Tub Thumping, about falling down and standing up and about drinking. I literally don't know. I didn't actually ask Sophie what I'm allowed to do in terms of quoting song lyrics. So that's why I keep speaking about it very vaguely. Sophie says, yes, I can uh, claim that I wrote the song and that it is legally my property. That is what Sophia is nodding and saying yes right now. So I wrote the song Tub Thumping, and when I did... Okay, so, but I, I'm going to quote Boff Whaley about this song. Tub Thumping, from his very outset as an idea, was definitely populist and based on working-class experience. That's working-class not just as a mythic Trotskyist vision, but as a cultural and historic whole, which includes family and sport and community and war and love and entertainment. Not just the cliched clenched fist getting up, but the getting knocked down as well. Tub Thumping became known to some purely as a drinking song, which is fair enough because if nothing else, it didn't belong to an elite group of musicians. It belonged to people. People at football matches, people singing along to the radio as they drove, people at parties drinking too much whiskey and tripping over the kitchen chairs, people like me. And because it helped beggar the notion that Chumbawamba were boring zealots from planet anarchy. And that's not what I realized when I heard it when I was in the 90s and like driving around and like, but but I think it's cool that mm-hmm. they don't try to eschew that interpretation because yeah, it is a drinking song, you know. It's but it it works on a couple different levels. But 
Um, it is a drinking song insofar as like, you know, you're drinking with your mates and there, yeah. there's community there and there's solidarity there. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, commiseration for the getting knocked down, you yeah. know, parts of life there. Yeah. Which is punk as fuck. It is punk as fuck to like put your arms around all your friends and drunkenly sing songs. Like whatever the song, you know, like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's collective. It's, it's, yeah. it's a kind of a spiritual experience, you know? Yeah, totally. And it's one that we have like increasingly stripped away from us by, yep. by modern life. And apparently one of the main inspirations of the song was watching a, a drunk Irish guy stumbling home from a bar singing Danny Boy and being told to shut up by a neighbor. So, and the song goes fucking huge. And again, if you were alive in the 90s, you probably remember this. It's number two in the UK. It's number six in the US. It's in the charts everywhere in the world. It gets ranked on lists of like the 20 most annoying songs of all time. Yeah, I mean... There's a distinction to be made there between between like a hit song and like a global smash. Like that song mm-hmm. was like, you know, number one on alternative rock radio or whatever, but also yeah. pop radio and also not just in the US, but like, yeah, you know, everywhere. It was yeah. just one one of those, you know hyper ubiquitous songs yeah. that you c- could not escape no matter where you were no matter what your where your tastes what genres your tastes went yeah. to or whatever yeah because it's also kind of a genreless song like on its face yeah. you know it has like i think electronic drums and just this catchy sing-along chorus and like it's just and it like yeah it's almost like like a collective delusion you know, yeah. like this thing that just like absorbed everyone for a moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. It's fucking interesting. It's like, in a way, it's like it it was it was a troll, sort of, but it also wasn't <laughs> a cynical one. They were yeah. they they weren't looking down on the people enjoying it yeah. for whatever surface reasons. There was no contempt there. Yeah. Um but it was this thing that functioned on a couple different levels. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking like, it's just brilliant. I, I, it, it's such a, it's yeah, it's, it's a prank, but it's not a prank. You know, it's mm-hmm. this earnest thing they did that in, got injected into pop culture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's fucking, and a lot of their old fans write them letters calling them sellouts. Uh, but the people who really led the charge of calling them hypocrites were the same music journalists who had always hated them. Because they're like, ah, see, we told you their politics didn't mean anything, which was like their way of basically excusing themselves for never having had decent politics in the first yeah, place. Yeah, which is a, you know? a really dubious way to sort of, yeah, you know, yeah. truffle hunt for what seems like hypocrisy. But if you scratch the surface at all, you realize really isn't. It's a collective who wants to take be able to take care of their own. Yeah. And as we'll find soon Mm -hmm. enough in the story um take care of others as well and do that by siphoning corporate money and yeah like you know doing robin hood shit really yeah totally totally and and it's funny as to look at like if i had been i you know i was a, a salty uh subcultural but not like a punk yet right at the time of all of this if i had been like 
if it had happened in 2003, I probably would have been one of the people being like, oh, you fucking sellouts, right? But I'm glad that I don't, um, <laughs> you know, like 21-year-old me is not who I look back to about what decisions were best to make for my life, you know? No, totally. I'm stuck totally. with some of the tattoos, but that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. So they spend two years, the next two years in this whirlwind of fame. It doesn't stop them from being themselves. And first and foremost, they give away just a fuck ton of money. Since, since all the money gets split equally, they didn't like fuss about who did, who deserves what amount and stuff like that. You know, there were the people who are the lead singers of the songs, whatever, but they're like, we're just splitting evenly. We'll work from there. And they peer pressure each other out of like running out and buying Jaguars. Boff notes that Dan went out and bought a, a really fancy vacuum cleaner, which I must be what middle-aged anarchists do when they suddenly have a lot of money, you know? It's nice awesome. vacuum cleaner. It's a very nice thing. Uh, <laughs> and they... I get the impression that they hold on to enough money to not have to like worry about being poor, but they donate money to artists, women's groups, prisoner defense campaigns, kids, football teams, radical media projects, venues, solidarity groups, individual organizers, community groups, magazines, direct action groups, and social centers. At one point in 2002, GM wanted a song for a commercial. And I Jumbo love this Wumba, story. Yeah. <laughs> Jumbo Wumba said yes, and they take... It took $100,000 or different accounts give different amounts, but a, a large number of, of money, high money number, $100,000, we'll go with that. And they just turn around and they give half of it to Indie Media, which is this big decentralized UB, the media network. And they give, which is unfortunately kind of probably what prefigured Twitter and the rest of the nightmare world we live in now, but it was a good idea at the time. And they give the other half to a project called Corp Watch that is specifically fucking... Um, tracking GM and like exposing their crimes. And so they just turn around and give $50,000 to people who are like specifically attacking GM. Yeah. And so if the two main arguments that they have in favor of selling out are reach a wider audience and get fuck tons of money, they do both. But, but I actually, I think Alice Nutter was right. In some ways, the fuck tons of money, which seems less the radical goal is actually in some ways the more radical thing they did because the wider audience didn't necessarily like get it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about anarchism on news shows. They mostly get made fun of. They sell their music to a ton of places, but they turn down other places too. They turned down Nike, who offered them a million and a half bucks. Their rules were really simple and strict. They wouldn't sell their music to anyone involved in sweatshop labor or the arms industry. And when I first started researching this episode, I thought it was going to be mostly about their, their hijinks during the fame period because they did really good hijinks. But in the end, I... I you know, the reason the first half is more about the, the working class punks in a squat breaking laws is like what I kind of lingered on. But let's talk about the hijinks. One time in 1997, the tub thumping era, Dan gets arrested in Italy literally for just walking down the street wearing a skirt. And he's held in his cell. He has a show that night. He gets held in a cell with no one speaking to him in English. And finally, he scrawls, I'm in a pop group called Chumbo Wumba on a piece of paper and holds it up to the glass of the cell. And they release him. Um, and he gets in time to go to the sound check. Uh, the next day, he appears on Italian TV in the skirt and says, Italy has some problems with homophobic macho cop culture. Alice Nutter steps up as being the kind of unofficial spokesperson for the band. Uh, I think mostly because she enjoyed talking the most and had the most to say. She was also maybe the most firebrand of them. In 1997, she told the UK press, nothing can change the fact that we like it when cops get killed. EMI is like, oh my God, please apologize. What the fuck? Oh my God. 
She didn't apologize, and said she clarified her statement. If you're working class, they won't protect you. When you hear about them, it's in the context of them abusing people, you know, miscarriages of justice. We don't have a party when cops die. You know we don't. But before we hear about more of <laughs> Alice Nutter's <laughs> anti-capitalist hijinks, boy, do we have some capitalist hijinks for you in the form of products and services. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, and we are back. In January 1998, Alice Nutter, she goes on the talk show Politically Incorrect. And she says basically... Yeah, if you can't afford our music, just go to the nearest big evil giant chain store like Virgin and steal it. Um, and Virgin didn't like this. Chumbawamba at the time is Universal's number one selling band. And here's the band saying, just steal it. Who fucking cares? As long as you steal it from a large corporation. Virgin threatens to remove the album from their stores. And it depends on what account you read. They either stopped carrying it entirely or hid it behind the counter. I don't know. And this only makes sales go up, which doesn't fucking surprise me, right? Like, I could have told them that. Like, yeah, more will get stolen, but if people steal the CDs, people are going to listen to it and talk about it, and more people are going to go out and fucking buy it, right? And and if you're taking it off the shelves or hiding it, you're literally manufacturing scarcity for the thing, and make, <laughs> yeah, totally. thereby making it more valuable. Yeah, yeah. So everyone wants to go out and find it and get it. Yeah. So... Anyway, their, their contact at Universal called the band and was like, will you all just laugh at me if I tell you that Universal wants to ask you to apologize for saying all that? Like their rep knows it's a like fool's errand that he's been tasked to call them and ask them to apologize. He's like, y'all aren't going to do this, are you? And they're like, 
ha ha ha, nope. And um, later, Alice Nutter in a recollection says, why should I apologize? I wasn't sorry. Which is exactly how you should or shouldn't apologize when you make decisions about apologies. So, and on the, the David Letterman show, they changed the lyrics of Tub Thumping to include from Free Mumia Abu Jamal. And Mumia Abu Jamal, for anyone who's not aware, is a, a black political prisoner who was probably framed up on the murder of a cop in Philly and at the very least definitely had an unfair trial. He spent a couple decades on death row, which was reduced to life without parole in 2001. So Chumbawamba goes on Letterman and sings Free Mumia Abu Jamal. And it was pre-recorded, so Letterman let it happen in the end. Basically, they like sat down like, the Letterman show people were like, fuck, are we going to let this fucking happen? And finally, the network is like, all right, fuck it. They run it. And they talk about anarchism with Barbara Walters. They basically leave a trail of chaos. that The record labels are running around trying to clean up for them. But instead of trash hotel rooms, it was just weird shit, you know? And the peak of all this was the 1998 Brit Awards, which I think are the, the Grammys for people stuck on a tiny, tiny island without sunshine. My theory is that they actually named the country after the award show. Uh, it was called <laughs> Britland, but then with the accent sound like Britain. So that's what stuck. That's my theory. <laughs> Sounds true to me. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder how long I'm going to get away with this bit. <laughs> um, so Chumbawamba, they get invited to the 1998 Brit Awards. They're even up for an award themselves, best single, and they're they're going to perform. At first, they weren't going to perform, but the director, he knows their fucking number. And he's like, all right, you don't want to perform? We'll let you have a video behind you. And they're like, yeah, okay, we're in. We can show propaganda. We are in. And the day of the director of the awards, he goes up to Chumbawamba personally with a plea and he's like, hey, could you, um, could you not physically attack any of the other artists? And that's his big request to them. Chumbawamba is like, all right, fine, whatever. We won't attack any of the other artists physically. And they even technically stuck with that. They, they're not super stoked about it, though. And everyone else is pissing them off with all being all pop star and shit. And I, I have a feeling that every, like, band that's played at this level kind of like vaguely enjoys talking shit about bands but you know they they point out in this in the book that like half of Fleetwood Mac refuses to use their dressing room because of inadequate carpeting um and I don't know shit about Fleetwood Mac and I'm taking Boff Whaley's word for it maybe inadequate carpeting was like maybe like the whole thing was like this like sewage swamp I don't fucking know you know yeah 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 but it's easier to imagine like ah oh, those damn rock stars said the one rock star to the anyway whatever it's more fun to imagine, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they go up and play, and they're all wearing sweatshirts that say things like sold out or whatever. And they put on a film behind them, and it's full of people rioting and protesting. And there's act up banners, and there's the stage is streaming with red and black banners. And it's like, it's exactly what I would do if I was up for one of these awards. <laughs> and it's not even, not necessarily in an original way, but just it's... it's it's like you kind of have to right. if, you're, yeah. if you're that band, you know? Yeah. And at the time, Dockers in Liverpool had been on strike. And it was one of the longest labor disputes in British history. And the, the Dockers had mostly lost. They had been forced into a settlement package and they all lost their jobs. And the Labor Party was currently branding itself as new labor. And they were culpable for a lot of that. So Chumbawamba changed the course of tub thumping to include new labor sold out the Dockers just like they'll sell out the rest of us. 
And they even brought some Dockers with them to the ceremony with the plan that if they win, the Dockers would go up and accept on their behalf and give a speech about what was going on. But Chumbawamba didn't win, so they didn't get to do the, the Dockers accept thing. But after they get off stage, they're like, oh shit, that's, that's John Prescott. And he's the deputy prime minister, which is the, the roughly the equivalent of vice president. And he's, he's from the working class. He used to be a men, member of the same union as the Dockers, but he basically sold them out. He was blocking tuition bills. He was fucking over the unemployed. He was just doing all kinds of shit, right? And so they're sitting around and they're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? There's the vice president of Britain, which definitely has a vice president. And they, they look at the bin that had been full of all the ice for the champagne and all of that. And they're like, Dan, Alice, you got this? And Dan and Alice are like, yes, we do indeed have it. So they go up to Prescott. Dan jumps on the table, says, this is for the Liverpool Dockers, and dumps a bucket of ice water on John Prescott's head. Not to be outdone, Nutter is right there behind him with, I think, an extra bucket of water and also just soaks him with that as well. And this is like on. OK, so so Dan gets arrested and Prescott has to be a good sport about it because he's like trying to look cool with the kids. He's here at the Brit Awards or whatever. It's really hard to imagine a U.S. politician being this cool about, especially a vice president. I'm like, I'm struggling to imagine the punk band that can dump ice water on the vice president of the United States and survive, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw the way, was it Giuliani who, who there was that video of a guy who kind of like lightly, like, oh, yeah. gave him a pat on the back and then talked some shit. Yeah. And he acted like it was assault. And yeah. 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 But however, they managed to dump ice water on the fucking deputy prime minister's head. And and the deputy prime minister, Prescott, is like, all right, I'm not pressing charges. And so they get let go and the tabloids eat the whole thing up. And of course, the usual snotty critics get mad. And oh, and then Ginger Spice from the Spice Girls goes up to Prescott to make sure he's okay. They made sure to include that part (laughs) in the in their biography or that's really funny um and alice nutter later i think is talking about the entire like arc of chumbawamba and it's like it was all worth it just to be able to get at john prescott to just to get at these people who think they're untouchable mm-hmm. and that's the thing that's kind of interesting to me about like like people used to pie politicians more often it feels like and it seems like the point of that is just to say like hey remember you're a person yeah. You know, like this could have been worse is what you're saying when you dump ice water on someone's head, you know? Yeah. You're a person who's supposed to be accountable yeah. to us. Yeah. And you clearly aren't. And you enjoy this sort of like protected celebrity status. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And so, okay, so they spent about two years on the road doing the celebrity thing. And then they take a break and they resume other parts of their lives, figuring out their next move. And then they put out a second album with EMI, uh, which is a bit confusing because in their mythologizing, um, I've read some of their accounts that are like, EMI wanted us to put out another album, but we said no. But I think they did put out another album with EMI. Either way, uh, either either EMI dumps them or they dump EMI. And Or, yeah, EMI could have done something where if they were under contract for another record or something, but didn't Uh, want to deliver it where they either, I mean, we had our record label do that mm -hmm. with us where 
they put out, I don't know if it was like live stuff or, you know. Oh, interesting. Because you owed them an album, but they didn't like the one you turned in. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of thing. For us, yeah. I, I don't remember exactly what the circumstances were, but I could see it being something like that, where they basically manufactured some kind of release out of B-sides or whatever, you know? Yeah. Are you still that they with... they technically owned. I, are you, I, I think you're not still with a major label, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. We got dropped from rca in like 2003 yeah and we put records out now with a with an indie label called velocity okay which always seemed like kind of a cool like after this and i'll get to it in a moment like chumbawamba kind of like goes from major label back to indie they go from indie to major to indie right and they're like mm-hmm. like all right like and it's kind of interesting to me to see that as a um well you just do what's best in the situation rather than like oh, no, you're a failure because the major label dropped you, or oh, no, you're a sellout because, you know, you um, went to a major label at all. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sort of like judging or making the metric of, like, what is worthwhile about making rock Mm -hmm. by uh, what type of record label you're on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't really where it's at. I can also see how, you know, perception is created by like, by that kind of story. Like, you, you know, it did feel embarrassing to get dropped from a major label for all of those reasons. But then you sort of realize, like, why, why, why do you feel that way? <laughs> you know? Right. And there, you know, this, the reasons for it are, are pretty dubious once you examine them a little bit like what what are you what are you making stuff for anyway is it to you know appease you know the bean counters or whatever or is it because you like like to like to make rock because it makes you feel free or whatever yeah and like connecting to people like you connect with people different ways depending on what means by which you access them and it doesn't make it better or worse like yep no, that's interesting. Yeah, it must have been, I you know, have not been in that position, but it must have been like, oh, we've we've hit our crest and now we are coming down from it as compared to like, well, no, you got this like boost of um, attention and now you're able to do things with that, you know? Yeah, um, totally. It's all in how you sort of frame your your perspective toward it. Yeah. Like, I mean, in our case, we did need to like break up for a host mm-hmm. of reasons. Um and we did for a few years and only recently in the last couple years have we started doing this new iteration of the band that like i said is sort of in practice a side project but mm-hmm. we just still call it eve six um but yeah uh you know we're doing it for for the right reasons and i think a band like Wamba was always doing it for the right reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know who else is doing it for the right reasons? It's, it's, uh, it's the advertisers. <laughs> We're actually sponsored by this new, um, this new act on RCA called Eve 7. It's this wow. brand new band. It's very original. Okay, this is interesting. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't, heard of this, hadn't heard of this group, but um, my first reaction is, I don't know if this town is, is big enough for the <laughs> two of us. Well, <laughs> they've got this hit 
and you know, it's the first advertiser is going to be this hit. It's called. Um, what uh, kind of prepositions are they working with? It, it's you put a blender in my heart. I believe is the. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> it's funny because Five Seconds of Summer apparently just released a song called Blender or like Emotional Blender or something like that. I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, yeah, town's only big yeah. enough for one Blender song. That's that's right, man. Yeah, stay away from our kitchen appliance. That is the official <laughs> motto of Cool Zone Media. Is that is that correct? Uh, Sophie is nodding. Um, okay. I, sometimes I just say Sophie's nodding when Sophie's actually holding up a sign that says "Stop doing this, you're going to get us in trouble." But Sophie's definitely right. But in nodding. this case, yeah. she was nodding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, here's some other products and services, including Eve Six. I mean, sorry, Seven, Eight, and Nine. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we are back. Okay, so... And we were talking about the the at this point, you know, Chumbawamba's in their uh, they they they've taken a break from the celebrity thing. Then they then they come back at making music, and they keep at it for another fifteen years. Tub Thumping is right in the middle of the career of Chumbawamba as a band. They start their own label. They work with a bunch of different indies, and they put out a ton of music. And they continue to accidentally show up at the craziest riots in history. Wow, what a weird coincidence. And I actually, this part actually caught me by surprise because I had kind of assumed that like, they're in their 40s, I think, at this point, And like, they're doing all right. And they're still just like, oh, well, there's this riot. I mean, actually, it's an accident. There's just accidentally and all these things. Um, and I really, I really appreciate about that. Um, their bad timing where they keep showing up at these things. And so, and they also fund a bunch of direct actions, which uh, I, I think they're still... Um, I don't want to conjecture too hard about the things that they fund. And 
uh, a bunch of them leave the band in 2004. And I spent a while trying to be like, what did they leave the band about, right? But then I realized that none of them were trying to talk about it. There was a little bit of like personal and political differences and they leave it at that, right? And, and that's cool. It's cool mm -hmm. that I don't know because mm -hmm. they're just like, their whole thing seems to be like, how do we come close to this environment that could have made us douchebag rock stars without? And so they're just like, they just worked through it at least somewhat privately, right? Yeah, it sounds like they have loyalty to one another and like, yeah, actual friendship. Yeah. Yeah, and it's almost like they, you know, repaired a house together for 10 years before they went on any of this crazy shit, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, and even the people who left in 2004 came back for their 2012 Fuck It, We're Done tour. I don't think that was the actual name of it, but it might as well have been their Fuck It, We're Done tour because they basically were like, fuck it, we're done. And then they had a tour. Um, mm -hmm. And they still contribute to each other's art to this day. They like a bunch of them make movies and theater and music. And, you know, Boff writes books about running. Alice writes for TV. Uh, Bruce is working on a, um, a documentary about Chumbawamba that's currently on the, the, the circuit where you're not allowed to watch it unless you have a festival yeah, circuit. Yeah. That's it. Right. Festival circuit. Right. When they broke up, they put out a statement. I'm going to quote from it. Because I think they, they do a good, pretty good job of summing up what they were doing. Chumbawamba was our vehicle for pointing at the naked emperors, for telling our version of the truth. It gave us more than the joy and love of playing live, writing songs and singing together. It gave us a chance to be part of a broad coalition of activists and hectors, optimists and questioners. But eventually, the rest of our lives got in the way, and we couldn't commit the time and enthusiasm that the band demanded, couldn't keep up with whatever responsibilities came with a band like this. If there were ever a Chumbawamba manifesto, it would read in the inconsistent, contradictory language of the Dadaists, part strident belligerence and part foolishness. This ending is no different. It comes almost as much of a surprise to us as it may do to you. Always more clown than politician, the band trips over its outsized feet and performs its final tumble. There have been squabbles and arguments along the way, a deal of griping, frustration, moaning, exasperation, but always alongside a huge amount of goodwill and generosity, good humor and love. What a riot it's been, frankly. And now it's time to clear up the mess and move on. And, uh, and Dan, I'm going to read one more quote about, from one of them about this. Dan, in an interview with Bandcamp in 2022, this year, I guess I can just say this year if I'm talking about the year I'm in. I'm very proud of what we did the whole way through. We tried to push the envelope. We weren't always successful, but we always tried. And that's probably a defining characteristic of Chumbawamba. Whatever era or genre we tried, it always had a working class basis, which is a whole other story when we signed with the major labels in the mainstream. It didn't destroy us. You could accuse us of selling out, but we weren't bought up. And I think that's a testament to the way we had each other's backs. The mainstream usually swallows people and spits them out. I mean, it did spit us out, but we took it as a compliment, really. There you go. Yeah, it's like what you were saying about like, it's just how you fucking look at it, you know? Yep. They're, they're like prose or, you know, I don't know if that last mm -hmm. quote quotation was, you know, said to a reporter or something like that. Yeah. But it's it's so beautiful. I, I mean, it's like better than their lyrics. I know. Their, uh, <laughs> their own sort of like, um, yeah, assessment of their story is 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 really deep and just like 
so on point and and includes all of the admittedly seemingly contradictory mm-hmm. things that that made made up Chumbawamba. Yeah. This thing that was, you know, on one level, just like uh, a vessel for entertainment and diversion and on another you know straight up you know activism yeah yeah and it's interesting because i was thinking about this as i was writing this out i was like you know i'm not really talking about their music right and like their songs and i'm not talking about like the their instrumentation and like and all that stuff really matters and it clearly mattered to them because the whole time they're always like oh yeah we don't play our instruments they are like musically really talented to the point where mm-hmm. it's like sort of almost annoying, like their acapella album. I'm like, you all wrote these amazing, like multiple harmonies and like all this crazy shit, you know? And it's, it's about all of these things at once is one of the things I find yeah, so fascinating. It, it, the music is an aspect of this thing that um, at, as a whole is like, yeah, activist performance art. Yeah. That, yeah. Is really inspiring. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, 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 they they did buck the system as as he put like yeah maybe they they sold out but they they didn't what's the language he used did uh it uh, spits them out oh right uh but we weren't bought out, up but but they weren't bought up yeah 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 it's really cool yeah yeah that it, it is really like this is funny because it's like i know you're in a band and i'm in a band and i'm like doesn't it make you want to start a band or like makes you want to like be in a band you know like yeah 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 i'm writing right now um uh, I've been in a bunch of bands that have done various things. And, and right now I like signed to my first indie label with my metal band. Cool. And we, we have an album due soon. Right. And it's our, it'll be our second full length with the band. And I'm like, Oh, I should really care about that. You know, in a way where I'm like, I care about mm-hmm. it. And I've been working with this band for years, but I'm like, I don't know. It, it, it no, it's inspiring. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 uh, you know, trains your, your eyes back on like what's important yeah fun joyful yeah about about a project and you know exposes all the things that aren't all the metrics that are seemingly important and that right. matter and all of that shit which don't ultimately yeah you know yeah and the way in which they matter is the vehicle with which to do it like the thing that mm-hmm. you know getting the money to make the music allows them to make the music that is the mm-hmm the part of that that matters, you know, it's just the ability right. to continue to allow it to continue to happen. Right. That's the end. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, uh, to make yourself obscenely wealthy or, you know, fame or whatever, yeah. whatever else. It's like how that in their case, how that served their, their project. Yeah, totally. And both as individuals and as activists and as, artists like the music that they make how how it matters for its own sake and like Mm -hmm. and so they actually they released one album after they broke up because the very last release came in 2013 the year after they broke up and because in 2005 they recorded an ep called in memoriam margaret thatcher (laughs) and they were like this will be released when margaret thatcher dies and so in in 2013 margaret thatcher did that the did the world that that favor and went ahead and died. And the EP came out along with a statement. Our deepest sympathies go out to the families of all Margaret Thatcher's victims. And it's a very happy little album. It's amazing. Yeah. 
And so, okay, so this is, and so thanks for coming along for the, my episode that I totally didn't write in order to get myself off the hook for taking corporate money, a giant faceless corporation to run a podcast about radical history. Now you all know my secret reason no. for telling you about Chumbawamba. <laughs> I, but I, I look, I think the analogy works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think they might, you know, tip their, their bowlers to you. <laughs> I hope so. If you're listening, Chumbawamba. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well, uh, yeah. What, what, what can people, you say you're in a band. What, what is that band? What do you, um, you're the, the band that ripped off Eve seven, I think. Right. <sighs> yeah. Look, um, there's, there's a bunch of, you know, vicious, like, um, rumors going out, going around that have no foothold in the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, Eve six came before Eve seven and Eve seven has been like, you know, biting our vibe, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, egregious, egregiously. And, 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 you know, anyone who's got their ear to the ground, Margaret ah, knows this. Okay? has heard of Eve six, this quiet band. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. And it, it does chronologically. Six does come before you could, you could use that. That six comes before seven. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually so, hear it's afraid of seven because seven, eight, nine. That, that that's right. See, and that's that too is true. Margaret, so. that was despicable. <laughs> <laughs> if the listeners could only see how happy she was while making that terrible joke, they they would be. They, they 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 would be truly dismayed. Yeah, truly. It's the worst. I'm, I lost all of my my goth points went out the river uh, river window. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, out the window and down the river. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Um. Yeah. So. So. What. Uh, what do you have going on? You play shows or like how can people check it out? I, maybe you have a new album out coming out. Maybe it's even out by the yeah. time people listen because this will come out about a month after we record it. Yeah, it, it it might be. I have I have no idea when our album comes out, but oh, okay. I know it comes out in like a few weeks. I think I mm-hmm. should know this, but um, it's called Hyper Relativization. If you follow us on Twitter at Eve Six, you'll you'll hear about all of that stuff. That's the only thing you and, talk about on Twitter, as I recall. Yeah, that's that that's all I talk about on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Is just uh just you know. We, we just do band promo on there. It's a very typical <laughs> nine, 90s band account where we just like post uh, photos of, of ourselves with, with wallet chains, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing the devil <laughs> horns and saying, come out to our show, the rib fest in, you know, in Tulsa. That's, that's what, that's the kind of content that you're going to find at our, on our Twitter. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you still have the pants? Um, which pants? The ones that you cut slits in the side to make wider so you can oh, hide, no. your, hide your shoes. No, I, I, I wish, I, wish I, I can't believe you changed. I know. I know. Um, yeah, those were so cool. Like when I see pictures of us from, from back in the day, it's just really funny because none of us have feet. Yeah. I used yeah. to, I used to chain when my, when my pants would rip down the side, I would chain the, the hole between the two sides of it. Uh, make chain mail connect the two. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that's pretty tough. Pretty yeah, tough. yeah, that's what people saw. They saw me coming and were like, "Well, that girl's tough." That yeah. that was absolutely the vibe I managed to communicate when I was a goth girl. Didn't know she was a girl in the nineties. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, 
Sophie, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, just uh, at Cool Zone Media on Twitter and Instagram for all the things. Margaret, and uh, you have a book coming out, correct? I do, but I should pitch my band. I have a yeah. band called Feminazgul. We are a, a feminist atmospheric black metal band, uh, and we have a bunch of different releases, mostly on Bandcamp or through various labels, and then also eventually we'll have a full length again. Well, we already have one. Uh, but it's not up for pre-order right now. Unlike my book, We Won't Be Here Tomorrow, in which I name every short story things that sound like they would be black metal album titles, like The Devil it's Lives true. Here and Into the Gray and, you know, very dramatic yeah. things. I'm a very dramatic person. Um, and that is, okay, so my book is available for pre-order. You can get it at AK Press. And if you get it, you get a little postcard of art. That is Yay. nice art. We love that. And and we'll be back, what, next week, Monday? I believe so. Cool. Every Monday and Wednesday. Great. I'll see you there. All right. Thank you both so much for having me on. This has been really fun. Yeah, thank you. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit bostonproper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper, wear it like no one else.